let's go, let's go, Porch. How are we doing tonight? Welcome to our live locations, tuning in from the Porch Fort Worth. We have Porch Tulsa and a new live location all the way in Scottsdale, Arizona. And of course, welcome tonight to my friends here in Dallas, Texas. Let's go. We are heading into night two of our new series, like you saw, Fortune Telling, where we are committed for the next few weeks together to take God's word from the past, words from the past, and let them speak to your future reality because you can go to fortune tellers, which we do not promote. You can go to um, the internet and Google and try to go to people and counselors and all these different things and figure out what your future might look like. But the reality is, is there's only one who knows and it's God. And tonight we're gonna see what his word has to say. Last week, uh, we asked the question, hey, regarding my future, will I be forever alone? And before I tell you tonight's question that we are answering with God's word, I thought I would ask you guys, do you recognize my friend here, Dude With Sign? Anyone, anyone follow Dude With Sign? He's a phenomenon. Uh, 7.4 million followers, I believe, on Instagram, all by going to a street corner in different cities and holding up a cardboard sign. This is 2021. And he holds up signs with messages like this, which I really appreciate. Uh, what's another one? Fellas, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. You can use this sign to slide into someone's DMs. Take a picture if you want. Uh, last but not least, reminder to cancel your free trial before they charge you. Some of you are like getting your phones out. <laughs> and when you look at dude with sign, it might just seem like something simple, but the reality is, is that guy's purpose in life now is literally, literally to carry a message. He is constantly using his life to send a message. And I start there because tonight we are asking the question, will I be truly forgiven? Will I be truly forgiven? And the reason why I'm talking about a message and the idea of forgiveness is because I think the reason why a lot of us don't believe that our life, our future can be used by God to declare a message to the world that God can't really use us because we don't actually believe that our future is worth using because we don't believe that we're actually forgiven from our past. There is something in your life that holds you back. There is something that Satan uses to tell you that you're unworthy. That man, if God's gonna use anyone in this room, it definitely isn't you. You're just kind of the, you just kind of come and sit in the back. See you up there top row, much love. You come here and you tell yourself, maybe God will use him or her, but not me. And I don't know if that's because of addiction. I don't know if that's because of a secret sin. I don't know if because you've used your whole life to build up some image through Instagram and through your friends that you want people to think that you're living in the perfect, perfect Dallas life with the good job and the, the dog and the, the going down to downtown and hanging out and uptown and all these different things. I don't know what it is, but you think, man, God doesn't wanna use my past to send a message to people about him because my past is riddled with so much insecurity, so many mistakes. God might use them, but not me. And I would tell you that if, that, if you think that's true of you, it's because you might be believing that you are not actually forgiven and you might not have a right reality of what forgiveness actually means for you. There might be some people tonight that you're not really even, you don't really even care if like, what do you mean God used my past? God used my story. What does that even mean? Like what forgiveness, like I'm a good person. I don't have much to be forgiven 
from? Like, what are you talking about? And we're going to talk about that tonight. And we're going to do that by looking at a story, one of my favorite stories in the book of Luke, one of the gospels in the New Testament. And it's this account, it's this story of an interaction between Jesus and two people. And it really hits home this idea of forgiveness and what Jesus thinks about forgiveness. And the reason why we're spending a night talking about this idea of of forgiveness is because if a person truly understands that they've been forgiven, if you truly believe that, and there's no telling what God could do with your future. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven, verse 36, is we're gonna read a story tonight. It's gonna be a little lengthy, so zone in these next few minutes together. And let's start in verse 36, here we go. It's up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. One of the Pharisees, Pharisees are, if you don't know, just like a religious leader of that day. They kind of know all the rules and they kind of go around telling people when they're doing something wrong and when they need to be doing something right. They kind of take care of all the spiritual and religious rituals of that day. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman, immoral just kind of means a very sinful person, When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Just kind of think like Gucci of today. Then Jesus knelt before him, or then she knelt before him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And I know if you've never read this, you're kind of like, what is going on? This is some freaky stuff. And yes, it is a little weird, but I promise it's gonna end up being super beautiful. Let's just stay with me. So when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, someone that could kind of just like tell the future and all these different things, he would know that, What kind of woman is touching him? She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, telling me that Jesus can read our minds. Jesus could read people's minds this day, which is crazy. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with her rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So... She has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, 
Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. And so just to make sure you understand, we're really highlighting three characters in this story. First, you have Jesus who has come down from heaven as the son of God to take away the sins of the world. He is the savior of the world. He's a really big deal, especially in this story and in your story. The next one, we have the Pharisee, the religious leader, the guy who knew all the rules, the guy that had read the scrolls, read the Bible. And then lastly, we have a sinful woman. We don't know exactly what they mean by a sinful woman. We just know that she had a reputation of sinning a lot. Commentators think that maybe she was a prostitute, that maybe she had the reputation of a whore. But what the writer Luke is trying to get you to see is no matter what it was, her reputation was that of a sinner. But what's so funny is when you look at this, the person who knew about God, the Pharisee was the one judging Jesus, saying, does this guy know who's touching him? Like, this guy must not be a prophet, just sitting across the table judging him. And the sinner, the one who doesn't know God, the one who's, you know, what is she doing touching Jesus? She was the one who was actually worshiping in him. She was the one that Jesus was proud to be with, that Jesus was complimenting. So what did she, a sinner, have figured out that the religious leader did not? I think she understood forgiveness. I think the Pharisee didn't understand forgiveness. And that had radical implications on their response to Jesus. And I think tonight, your understanding of forgiveness if you're coming in here asking the question, will I ever truly be forgiven? Will my past always haunt me? Will that mistake always define me? Can God really use me? Can God really use this story? I think if you truly have the right view of forgiveness, it will have radical implications on your view of Jesus. Therefore, it will have radical implications on the way that you view your life. So I'm gonna show you how through God's word, which leads me to my first point on how to know if you will truly be forgiven. Step one, admit you have a problem. How do you know you'll be forgiven? You first have to admit that there's even something to be forgiven from. I think a lot of people come in here tonight and you're like, hey, I'm a pretty decent person. If right now I were to ask you, hey, one to 10, 10, you are for sure, if you were to die going home tonight that you're going to heaven, what number do you think you are? And I bet majority of people would be like, hmm, that's a good question. I would say I'm probably like, a seven or an eight, a 9.236. And a lot of different numbers might be represented. Some of you are like, I'm a two, I know it. I ain't afraid to show it, I'm a two. Some of you are like, I'm 50-50. And all these different numbers would come in here. But a lot of you, I think, would be sitting in that sweet spot of like seven to nine because you would admit, I'm a pretty good person. I have never murdered someone. I've never, I don't go around intentionally doing bad and you aren't willing to admit, admit that there's actually a huge problem. This Pharisee, look at what the verse says here. When the Pharisee who had invited him, when, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself in his mind, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. If he's willing to think that this woman can't have access to be with Jesus because she's a sinner, that must mean that he thinks too highly of himself, that there's something that he's comparing with her past and his past, and he sees himself as different than her, and he must not see himself in much need of Jesus. 
Probably because he doesn't, isn't willing to admit that he's the problem. And I think some of you come in here tonight and you're like, yeah, Jesus is a good guy. Yeah, Jesus is a good thing. This church stuff is a good thing, but like, I'm a good guy. And I'm here to tell you tonight, no one is good. All of us have a huge problem. And it's time that you start actually seeing the weight of your problem because you can never see the un- and have the understanding of true forgiveness until you first understand the weight and the reality of what you need forgiveness from, your sin, your problem. Romans 3.23 puts it this way. For all have sinned, which means just anything you do to disobey God or displease God, something that you do against his word, something you do to serve yourself and not God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Key word, all. Every single person in this room, every one of us have committed a sin. Actually, you have something called a sin nature. That means that when you were born, I did not have to teach you how to sin. I did not have to make you sin. You simply just had sin in you. When you're two and someone takes your toy and you start crying and screaming, mine, 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 it's because you're sinful. We were born with a sin nature, every single one of us. Therefore, every single one of us needs to start admitting that we have a serious problem. Why? Because God is sinless. God cannot be in the presence of sin. God is what we call holy, meaning that he cannot be with sinful man. When it says all have sinned and fallen short, that means that fallen short means there's a separation. There is something keeping us from God and it is our problem. It is sin. Therefore, we need a solution. Why? Because Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. I'm gonna stop there. Just like in this story, Jesus, because the man is not seeing the gravity of his sin and his need for forgiveness, he tells, he doesn't condemn the Pharisee. I love that, by the way. He doesn't condemn him. He loves him. He teaches him something. He uses this story. He says, then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. He gave two people money, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. What does that tell me? What is Jesus illustrating here? There are some of you coming in tonight and you're like, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. But I'm telling you from the white lie, all the way to the abuse, all the way to the 12 years neck deep in pornography, all the way to snorting cocaine, all the way to taking shots every weekend. Some of you, you might be walking in here high tonight. Some of you might be planning to hook up after the porch tonight. Every single one of you, whether you owe 50 or whether you owe 500, that's not the point. The point is not how much you sin or how little you sin. The point is this, but neither of them could repay him. Neither one of them could pay their debt, what they owed. And in the same way, whatever you think you owe tonight, how much you sin, little or a lot, you can't pay it. You can't. Therefore, you have a major problem because I think if I were to ask everyone in this room, hey, when you die, do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be with God? I think majority of people here tonight would say, yes, I want to go to heaven. I want to see my grandpa one day. I want to be with my family. I want to be uh, in eternity in a good place. I want to be with God. So here's the problem. Left to yourself, you're sinful. You need forgiveness. You have a huge problem because God cannot be in the presence of sin. So before I tell you about how you're forgiven, 
I want to make sure that all of us, whether you've been free from like, your struggle for years, whether you're coming in here tonight and your problems are things like pride and lust, or whether you're coming in here and you're like, man, I've done some things that I can't even say out loud. I don't even know what the consequences would be. You have a problem left to yourself and you need a solution. And the solution is not you. The solution is not anything that you can do. Why? Romans 3 says this, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Left to ourselves, we can do no good because sin is in us. We're born sinful because of the very first sin of man and woman. And since then, sin has been a pattern in humanity that separated us further and further from God. We talked about it last week. And so to understand, will I be forgiven? You have to first sit in the weight of what you need to be forgiven from. You've come here tonight owing something. I don't know if your story is I owe 50 or I owe 500, but you owe something. And like this story that Jesus told, you can't pay it. You need a solution. But before we get to that, just take a moment, sit in the weight of what you need forgiveness from. Because the deeper you understand your need, the deeper you're gonna understand point two. How can I know I will be forgiven? First, admit that I have a problem. And then second, accept Jesus as the solution. Accept Jesus as the solution. Part of my story is at seven years old, I prayed a prayer. I came down front because my parents started going to church and I saw my parents come down to the front and pray to receive Christ. So I came down the front and I prayed this thing called a sinner's prayer. And then immediately something in my mind started to tell me, okay, now because you're a Christian, that means that you have to convince the world that you're a Christian. You have to start doing a lot of things to come off perfect. And I struggled with an image-based reality, a performance-based reality for most of my life where I thought I have to convince everyone that look at JD. And here's what I thought. I thought, okay, if I want people to see that God is good, I have to, they have to see that JD is good. I dismissed and I was not willing to admit that I had a problem. So what did I do? Instead of boasting in my weakness, I hid it. Anything that perceived me as weak, anything that made me look sinful, anything that I didn't want people to know that people would judge me or think I'm weird, I hid it. Hiding your sin, thinking that you're not worthy of forgiveness, thinking that everyone else can get forgiveness except for you, battling this idea of perfectionism. What you're saying with that is you think that you can be the solution to your problem. That you are the answer if you can just be good enough. But you can't. You're not the solution. You have to see and accept Jesus as the solution. Let's go back to the two characters of our story with Jesus. But neither of them in verse 42, neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, he starts, Jesus is gonna start to do this like comparing and contrasting between Simon and the sinful woman. 
He says, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with her rare perfume. I tell you her sins and they are many have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. The Pharisee, I think he's a lot like us. I think we're a lot more like the Pharisee than we wanna admit. We are willing to be about Jesus. We are willing to put Jesus in our bio. We might have a cross necklace, a cross tattoo, a cross on our shirt. We might come to the porch. We might come to church. We might go to church on Easter and Sunday. And like, if people were to ask us, we're like, yeah, I'm religious or yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I believe in Jesus like I believe in Santa Claus. I believe in Jesus. Jesus is a good thing. And you might know all these things. You might know the stories. You might know about Jesus, but I'm telling you, I think a lot of us know about Jesus, but we don't actually know the Jesus of the Bible. We don't actually understand our need for Jesus. And we don't actually see Jesus as a solution to our problem. Why? Because when you face trials in life, you don't run to Jesus because you don't see him as the solution. You run to yourself. You run to pornography. You run to going out with your friends. You run to running back to that ex. You run to drugs. You run to that thing that you thought you would never do because something in you believes that that's the solution to my problem. I do something, I feel bad about myself. Therefore, I'm gonna go find the solution and you run to everything but Jesus. And a lot of us, I think our major problem is, is we actually just run to ourselves. We think that there's something we can do that will make us good enough to go to heaven. I'm gonna keep pounding this idea tonight because I even struggle with this today. And I've been walking with Christ for a few years now. I still struggle to believe that there's nothing I can do, that it's all what's been done for me. You know who understood this? The sinful woman. When she saw her need, when she saw the gravity of her sin, she responded rightly to Jesus as a solution. How do I know this? The Pharisee, the one who knew about God across the table pointing at her. Was she concerned about that? No, she just wanted to be with Jesus. That's what forgiving people do. When you truly understand the solution to your problem and you see yourself as forgiven because of Jesus, because Jesus is the solution, you wanna be with him. How is Jesus the solution? He illustrates it to this man by saying that there were two people that, were, that could not pay what they owed. Therefore, the man in his kindness paid them for them and canceled their debts. And in the same way, the reason why Jesus was illustrating the narrative with this man is because he was that man. What he was saying to the Pharisee in the room was saying, hey, I'm gonna be this man one day. But instead of just, instead of just paying for 50 or 500, I am going to pay and cancel the debt for all the sins of all the world. You wanna know, will you be forgiven? Yes, because Jesus left heaven, came down to earth, put on human skin and lived a perfect life, making him the perfect sacrifice because we could not do that. And he went and carried every sin on the cross, past, present and future. Your sin today, he died for it and paid for it on the cross. And not only that, but then when he died, they buried him for three days. And after that, he rose again. And when he rose again, he defeated sin. And when he defeated sin, that means that he said it's paid for. 
There's nothing else you have to do. You don't have to come and pay your 50. You don't have to come pay your 500. You don't have to come pay for that lie. You don't have to come pay for that night you hooked up with so-and-so, or that night you raped someone, or that night that you were abused, or that abortion. You don't have to pay for it because it's been paid for in Jesus. You don't have to do anything else because it's all been done for you. That's the beauty of Jesus. That's how Jesus is the solution. You're asking, will I ever truly be forgiven? Yes, you will, because Jesus has done it. He has paid what you could not pay. That's what he's done for you. He's telling this man the story because he is the story. And what he did just a few chapters later when he died, that story is still true for you today. You don't have to wonder, will I ever be forgiven? You can be forgiven if you believe that this story is true. Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be forgiven. You will be loved. Not because of anything you can do. The Pharisee understood religion. The sinner understood relationship. We're not about religion here at the porch. Some of you, when people ask you, hey, what's your faith like? What's, what, are you a Christian or what, what are you? You're like, yeah, I'm religious. Yeah, I have, I'm a part of a religion. We don't do religion here because religion is about doing. But that's what I'm telling you. There's nothing you can do. It's about resting in all that's been done. What we do here is we teach you how to have a relationship with the God who sent his son down to earth to die for you because he loves you. We don't wanna create more smarter sinners who can come here and point across the table and say, well, at least I'm not that person or I'm pretty good or hey, at least I'm not that person. We wanna create people who wanna come and sit at the feet of Jesus and pour out their all to him. They say, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner, but that sin it did not disqualify me. It actually qualified me. It made me the perfect candidate to come and sit at the feet of Jesus and receive his forgiveness. Amen. That's what Jesus does for you. That's the invitation he has for you tonight. Quit coming and sitting around the table and knowing the things about God or hearing these stories and not being changed. It's time to get at the feet of Jesus because you've been forgiven. You don't have to be set apart. You can come be with him. You can come be a part of what he's trying to do here. And I think a lot of us, we like the idea of forgiveness, but it's actually a lot more harder for us to accept than we want to admit. Some of us, maybe the reason why forgiveness is hard for you because you don't actually believe, like I've been saying, that you're worthy of it. You're like the sinful woman that you come and you will be willing to admit that, yeah, I'm a sinner. There's no, there's no hiding behind it. There's the Instagram pictures of me turning up on the weekends or the girls around here know my reputation or the guys know what I've done in my past, or my family knows that mistake I made. You're like, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. I'm not trying to deny that. I think the difference between you and her is that you don't think you're worthy to be near Jesus. And you don't see yourself as worthy. You don't see Jesus as someone who actually wants to be with you. And maybe because someone hurt you, or maybe because someone rejected you after you sinned, or after you made that mistake, maybe someone pushed you away. That's not Jesus. He says, you get to come. You're worthy. Every single person here tonight, if you don't hear me say anything else, hear me say this. I don't care what has happened to you in your past. I don't care what you've done in your past. I'm sorry. I do care what has happened to you. I do care about you. What I don't care about is the lies that the enemy will try to tell you. 
What I don't care is about how he'll try to use that to hold you back because what the reason why we say, hey, I don't care, JD, about the things that you've done, I don't care because I realize what's been done for me. I am worthy of the love of God. And so are you. You might have a struggle with this because you haven't forgiven yourself. First John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all wickedness. James says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Talk about it. Forgive yourself. Be willing to say, this is me. No more hiding. I need to understand the forgiveness of Jesus. And then maybe some of you haven't accepted this and can't really understand the idea of being forgiven because you're not willing to forgive others. Something has happened to you. Someone has done something to you. A parent abandoned you. Someone abused you. Something happened when you were out of control and someone hurt you deeply. Someone cheated on you. Someone left you. I don't know what it might be, but for unforgiveness has held you back for far too long and it's actually prohibiting you from understanding the forgiveness given to you by God because you think if I can't forgive them, then how could God forgive me? And here's what Ephesians 4 says, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You wanna know how you can have the strength to forgive that person? Don't rely on your own strength. Remember what God has done for you. It's through his forgiveness that we can forgive. Loved people, love people. Forgiven people, forgive people, not on their own strength, but because we've been forgiven. Life is too short to be held back by unforgiveness. Some of you tonight need to pick up the phone and call someone and say, will you forgive me for blank? Some of you need to call that person, and I know that sounds gut-wrenching to call them and say this, but you need to call them and push past that hurt and say, I forgive you for blank because it has held you back long enough. And it's time for freedom to take place tonight. And to stop letting that hurtful action define you. It's time to let go. I started tonight. We're talking about the dude with the sign that uses his life to send a message. And I wanna challenge us tonight when you examine your life, is your life a message? What do you stand for? If right now people were to write a story about what you're about, the message your life is sending, what would it say? I think for some of us, if we were to hold up our sign and send our message, this has defined us for a long time. Some of you guys have been in church, you've done every program, you've done everything, and yet you still have found yourself years later still going back to this is because you see yourself as this. You think this is your story, but in Jesus, you are this. You are free. You are not bound. That does not define you. You can be free. Some of you, your sign would say this, insecurity. Others focus on what they think about you. And it's time to find your security in Christ. Some of you, I don't know what happened to you, but when this moment took place in your life and when you experienced abuse, I wanna first say, I am sorry. I am sorry that that thing happened to you. Guys and girls, I am sorry it happened. But because of the blood of Jesus, that one night does not have to change your forever. It does not have to change your future. Because of Jesus, you can truly be washed clean.
Some of you, like me, this word has defined you. Control, image, being perfect, thinking that you have to make someone proud or this is what it requires to be loved by God, to do and say all the right things. You're not enough. You'll never get it right. But through Jesus, when Christ begins to define you and not yourself, you can be enough in Christ. And I don't have time or enough cardboard to make a list and hold up a sign that represents everything that's holding you back from thinking that God wants to use you to send your life, to use your life, to declare of His goodness despite your bad and to use your life to send a message. And so you right now just need to fill in the blank. That thing that you think defines you, that self-righteousness that has kept you from needing more of God, you need to write it down. That night, that thing you did today, you're like, man, I, I gotta sit way up here because I can't be near Jesus. If anyone actually knew, they wouldn't want me here. You need to write it down. And you need to see yourself as forgiven, forgiven in Christ. Yeah, you have a problem, but God loved you so much. He did not want you to just stay in your problem. He wanted you to be in heaven with him. He wanted you to have a solution. He wanted to be able to be near you. And it's Jesus, it's through Jesus. It's through his forgiveness. It's through the blood that he shed for you, that you can be forgiven. And if you would start to understand the forgiveness that has been given to you by the death of Jesus, you're gonna start to see your mess and start to understand that God can take your mess and turn it into a message. And that's what he wants to do with people tonight. He doesn't want perfect people. He wants forgiven people. People who will go out and tell people, hey, I'm never gonna get it right. I'm broken, but those things don't define me. Jesus defines me. And if you would start to look at your past as something that's been forgiven through Christ, there is no telling, listen to me, there is no telling what God can do with your future. Let's pray. Father, we are so undeserving because of the problem that we have. We are so undeserving because our sin is great. We're so undeserving to be in the presence of your goodness, of your holiness. But thank you that you take sinful people and you turn them through forgiveness into loved people. Like you told uh, Simon in this story, those that have been forgiven much are able to love much. And so I pray that tonight, these people would understand how much they've been forgiven so they can go out and, and send out that much love to the world through taking their mess and declaring a message that God has saved them from their sin. Tonight, the person who does not believe that they can truly be forgiven, that they can truly be free, I pray that they would see Jesus. They would see the price he paid. They would understand that he came to take slaves to sin 
and make people free in Christ. To take bound people, sinful people, and make them forgiven and sent people. And because of that, because you take our past and you tell a future story of your goodness despite our bad, we worship you. We trust you. We give our lives to you. Name that I pray, amen. Let's respond and worship.